back to Summer Maze, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavna. I hope you had a cosy Christmas and New Year's despite all the terrible news at the moment. And it is so good that Home and Away is back. I thought we'd be waiting till February for the new episodes, but we are back with a bang and six episodes this week. It couldn't have come on a better week. Just I'm over the moon delighted. On Summer Rays, I take a weekly look at the trials and those big old tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week, I do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas like, is secretly booking your wife ever a good idea? Or is giving out to someone about not sticking to a sex appointment plan ever going to go down well? <laughs> Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. Summer Bay's is a no-spoiler podcast. I do not look ahead at plot lines or watch the episode previews of what's coming up tomorrow on Home and Away. I don't read any of the descriptions. It's a total game changer. I never see any of the twists or turns that are coming. You feel them so much better. Try it for a week and see how you get on. I highly recommend it. My little recommendation to you. Okay, well, we're going to pick up where we left off in 2020 with Taylor and Colby. So Angela was copped on to their affair. And the annoying part about it is, is their affair had kind of ended. And I would never, if my husband was a detective, I just wouldn't cheat on him because the very nature of their job is to sniff out liars and solve things. So Angelo... As hurt as he is, he's definitely pushing boundaries. Even though Colby declines, he's inviting him for lunch. He wants them to spend time together. He wants to see how this dynamic is working out. He's now noticing all the stolen glances between Taylor and Colby. I'm surprised they're not copping on more. It's a bit annoying. And now Angela's saying this, there's a witness coming forward. But like, is this a red herring? Is this kind of a, is this like Angelo testing the lines between Taylor and Colby. So he's kind of trying to push false information through to see how much communication is going on between Taylor and Colby. Or unless he does have a witness, but like, who could that be? It's not really anyone. So that must be a lie. But what it does do is it forces, well, it gets Colby and Taylor to meet up in their usual place. And when he said that, I was like, obviously the motel. But no, it's under a tree a few metres away from the salt and the surf club and everything, like near a car park or somewhere easy for Angelo to hide and take photos. So he gets pictures of the case, his case is building now. So maybe he's going to be distracted away from this case and now just be this jilted husband who wants to bring this affair to its knees. So... Maybe this is a change in direction, a welcome change in my view, because it's so scandalous. We haven't had an affair in ages. And also, I don't want Colby to go. I know he's a murderer, but Ross was a murderer. But anyway, it is so awkward between Angelo and Taylor. What I also don't understand is like you never see them in their home. They always talk about their home. You never see them in bed together. They never kiss on the lips. They only kiss on the cheek. And they're very formal with each other. But so when they meet that morning, it's like, why aren't you having this morning chit chat at home? Obviously, maybe Angelo gets in late and gets up really early and then meets her after being in work for ages. That's what I'd assume. But no wonder it's so easy for her to have this affair with Colby because 
he's literally never there. But in comes the necklace and it's just so perfect. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is obviously he's just trying to guilt her. But then when the bugging starts, it was like, yes, Angelo. When he was giving it to her and she kind of puts her hands on his and she's like, thank you. And then he gets a bit emotional being like, yeah, you can kind of see like, oh, it is kind of a bit sad. You know, he's so hyper focused on the case and I was hyper focused on this affair and he's now spying on them. But I felt a bit more sorry for him when I saw the emotion out of him because usually he's just such a like action man type character. So it was nice to see that bit of emotion because I'm like, it kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, it made the affair kind of real. But anyway, so... Angelo's busy ruffling feathers between the two of them. He's soft with Taylor, he's hard and smarmy with with Colby. But that does not keep Taylor and Colby away from each other. They have this like steamy chat on the balcony where they think nobody can see them. Like what strangers or local townspeople or whatever they acquaintances talk like that. If I was sitting in that restaurant, I'd be like, those people are hooking up. They're just so blasé. Somebody's going to catch them. Like Bella's caught them. So many people know already. You're just They're so brazen. And like their language is so flirty. It's so steamy and obvious. Then later on, Angela's listening to them kissing and he's like pulling it out of his ear. He's like, oh, I've, have I gone too far? This is a bit gross. But then when Colby and Angelo kind of have a squaring up and Colby being like, you're just bluffing. You'll never get the better of me. It's just so, oh, he's so confident. And now Angelo's more crap to listen to. Oh, when Taylor and Colby have restarted their motel rendezvous. Ugh, so that's going to be a bit tough. But as amoral as Colby is being in this situation, he was dishing out some great advice, especially to Bella. So in true Bella form, as she's obsessing about Nick being called home to New Zealand by his mum, Gemma. And of course, she's pressuring him to stay and kind of being like, oh, he's choosing his mum over me and he doesn't love me, blah, blah, blah. But Colby's advice was great. Being like, you have two choices. You can fight to make it harder or you don't put pressure on him and butt heads. Like, you kind of need to step back. He doesn't need this extra... It's a hard enough decision as it is. He doesn't need all this extra pressure. And shock, she actually listens to him. And shock, it actually works. And you can understand why she's scared. Nikki is kind of everything to her. Okay, a bit dramatic where she's like, I'm scared I'll never see him again. Relax. But he really makes her happy. And you can see why she's kind of scared to lose it. A lot of venting to Ryder, I must say. A little too much. But... I'm so happy she started acting like an adult and weirdly listened to good advice from Colby. Now moving on to the dum-dum from last year, the maker of the most stupid and senseless decisions that is our dear sweet Tani. So firstly... There's a lot of chatting going on this week. I kind of find it a bit annoying. Well, probably because I just don't like them as a couple. But there's a lot of conversations about the Bay are going through Ari and Mac, whether it's about Ziggy, Tane, Dean, Bella. They're the ones just blabbing on about them all the time. And I know they're sick and tired of talking about their brothers and wanting a sibling stress-free night. But 
Max's body senses couldn't be more off for what was to come. But anyway, Ari did have a good feeling that something was wrong. We find out then that Ziggy is covering up for Tani. So with this van full of stolen goods, Ziggy's hearing nothing from him bar this phone call. So why doesn't Tani have two seconds where he can ring Ziggy and tell her what's going on or give her an update? But the only time he can call her is when he's like under attack. It sounds like there's smashing glasses and gunshots where is the call in the build up to this? At like in what moment of that kind of a situation would you be like, oh, better call Ziggy? And of course she would think the worst. Just very strange altogether. But as the days roll by, it looks less and less likely that Tane will get back in touch or it, even if he's like alive at this point. <laughs> so Ziggy's pretty desperate and... So when Willow stands in, it all just works out like a little too well. She's weirdly calm. She's like, don't worry, got this. And in the midst of calling like Riverboy Nugget and switching plates on the van, Willow even has time to like gossip about a potential romance between Ziggy and Tani. And if I was Ziggy, I'd be kind of shocked, a bit more shocked by how easily Willow can like figure all this out because she's such a normal person in her day to day life. Or I don't know, it's kind of so normalised around her family of Dean and Colby and Bella. But when it's to somebody on the bit of the outside, like Ziggy, who's not used to seeing Willow, it must be really jarring to see Willow with her mangrove river hat on because it was just a little too swift. And I just love how they turn the illegal driving of this van full of stolen goods, which we later find out is full of way more than stolen goods. And it's like, girls road trip, me and Mahonzo driving cross country. <laughs> just like make it so much lighter than what's actually going on. Oh, they just make committing crimes look so fun. <laughs> oh, they just seem like happy as Larry going off to do this delivery. So, and of course, the timing is just perfect. Then Tane arrives back to the bay covered in blood and collapsing right after the girls leave. So his excuse of, oh, my mate's husband stabbed me. I don't know how long that's going to last. With Ari, especially when he's, Tane's getting out of bed, desperate to see his phone, being real shady. So I'm glad he told Nick that the van is actually lined with drugs. So the poor girls, if Willow and Ziggy get stopped, that's so bad. So I really am worried about what's going to happen there. That's pretty serious. And now it kind of makes sense with the gunshots and the desperately trying to get back to the house despite his injuries and the tearing his liver even further because of trying to get in touch with Ziggy. So now he's trying to encourage Nick to get out of Summer Bay. So when Nick says to Bella, do you want to come with me? There's now kind of added reason for Nick to leave. And it'll be just interesting to see how Bella deals with that bombshell because I don't think she can really leave her brother. But we now know how Bella feels about Nick leaving the bait and she ain't happy and she's pretty scared. So I do wonder if they'll leave. I would be sad if they left. I have such a crush on Nick despite his young age. But I just think he's got a real cheeky smile and a good heart despite all those months ago accidentally robbing a car with a baby in it. Despite all that... I wouldn't like to see him leaving. And I think he's a good anchor for Bella. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But with drug dealers nipping at the Parada's heels and his mum beckoning him home, I don't see why he wouldn't leave. So watch this space. 
But on a much, much lighter note, the, I'm going to say, love saga between Tori and Dr. Christian Green has provided much light relief this week. Tori is waxed with her painful maintenance, as she calls it. She's ready to go for her sex appointment with Christian. But he returns a day early, much to Tori's dismay. And he's also, his first scene back is in a caffeine. (laughs) It's too hot, Christian. Why are you wearing it? And you're wearing it with shirts. It makes no sense. It just doesn't... That's supposed to be worn with a coat in cold weather. Are you trying to express some Irish or Celtic or maybe Scottish heritage? I don't understand, but I'm loving it. But anyway, Tori is just obsessing, obsessing, obsessing about this sex appointment. The anticipation is killing her. She can't even sleep. And with this surprise return to hospital, she finds out what, like the next day or something, She's fighting with him over Tane, which I just find so funny. He's like, literally, I've been like stabbed in the liver. I'm really in pain here. And all Tori could think about was like, you're supposed to stick to the plan. Like, this is the first few months of courting. I don't think you should be putting your like neurotic foot forward here. We got to rein it back, Tori. He seems to really like you despite all this. He obviously loves the back and forth. But I think going, going a bit intense over a plan... It's not like, oh, the first time I see you, then we have to do our sex appointment. He's just kind of said it. I don't know. And then like their lover's tiff turns into a fight over surgery or no surgery. And then Jasmine's getting involved. It's just all a bit like, whoa, can we all just calm down? But I don't know. It seems like she, because she's such a feisty lady. So when she confronts him on it and she's like, you can't just make an appointment to have sex with someone and expect me to just drop everything. He's like, that's not what I was doing. And when he doesn't argue with her and just kind of agrees then kind of the wind is taken out of her sails a little bit. So I just think she needs to get this sex appointment out of her system. It's it, Look, as she says, it's been too long since she's hooked up with someone. I actually am trying to think back. I think it was Ash, like Martin Ashford of Riverboys fame was the last person who she was with. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I actually think that is a good while. So I can understand why she's all antsy about it. But she's also sending so many mixed signals. And then when she tries to kind of channel it, being like, wait, no, we both want each other. Let's just hook up in my office. I'm going to pursue you. Let's act like adults. And here we go with another homage to Grey's Anatomy, like ignoring knocks at the door. He's in his scrubs, which are slightly too big for him. But anyway, and then she's like, oh, I can't. Now it's building up to this sex point even more. So I'm glad they agree to take things slow. He uses the excuse of having loads of sisters. So he's well able to handle Tori and Jasmine, who's being so sassy all week. I'm like, oh, he really gets my back up and being real narky with him. What I didn't understand with that was it was so weird that they didn't show the chat and the chat was all about Robbo and the story behind that and her history. That would have been a good scene. I don't understand why they didn't go into that, especially when it was like an undercurrent throughout the week. And then they he's like, oh, can I buy you a drink? Poof, it's the next morning. And we don't see any of that. I find that a bit annoying because you do kind of need Christian and Jasmine to get on because you, like, you don't want her to feel excluded. It's a really weird situation. So I just annoyed they didn't show that. But anyway, another week, another postponed sex appointment. But fingers crossed for next week. Come on, Tori, you got this. Now, 
on to the hunt for Dean Thompson and his innocent little son, Jai with the curls. So first half of the week, Dean, you're in a great strong position. You're not playing with Amber's games anymore. You want more Jai time. You want your mum, Karen, involved. He's threatening legal action, but he's not really going to pursue it. You know, you're doing great. You're standing up to Amber. You're saying like, sorry, I, was, I wasn't there for you, but that was your decision. I'm going to court. I'm done with your games. So then when Amber's like, I'll see you in court. I don't understand why she wouldn't want to settle outside of court because she hates the police. She probably doesn't want the legal action. I don't understand why she's pro-court, like if it, even if it involves Jai. Anyway, then Francesca, Amber's mum, gets involved. Firstly, bravo on the casting. I can't remember if I said this last year, but it's just fantastic. The leather jackets, the face, the hair, the kind of the young granny vibe. She's got it going on, Francesca. She's got the right amount of trash. It's perfect. She's threatening Dean like there's no tomorrow. It starts off with, you'll regret this. Then it rolls into, you want a war, Dean? You've got one. It's unbelievable. And what's weird is like, you see her tender moments with Amber being like, we just need to get Dean out of our child's life. Well, Dean can't unlearn that he has a child, so you want to forget about that. But then she's there like shouting at John and Willow, being like, what are you looking at? It's just amazing. And the kind of the angst is really being felt. So we've got a comment from Francesca. Then Princess, aka Mackenzie, gets involved. And there's a lot of pushing and shoving going on between her and Amber at the surf club. Like, that's next level cruel, Amber. So the kind of the anxiety and the pressure cooker is kind of coming to full heat now. And it's just, you know, everyone, it's just annoying because everyone wants this to work out, but everyone's just button heads. But anyway, so so it's all building up. And then, you know, Dean's in such a strong position, but then he gets this big fat envelope through the door with all his criminal records being like, you won't win. So he goes to confront Amber and when he finds abandoned Jai, I think this probably just tips him over the edge and Dean gets completely derailed and is like, oh, I know, let's just run away together. So what a desperate spiral that was. And obviously Amber knows that Dean and Jai are fine, but from even from all the Colby and Willow reassuring, the fact that Dean isn't back, Amber's getting naturally more and more worried and angry and upset. <laughs> but I couldn't help but cringe at the conversation. So <laughs> when Gulby and Willa were like, oh, we need to get on to our contacts to see if like anyone know where he's gone. And Colby's like, none of the boys are going to talk to me. I assume that's because Colby's a cop and that's why they want to talk to him. But anyway, and when Willa goes, my rep's still intact and gets on to Nugget, who's already helping her with the Ziggy debacle. So MVP this week goes to Nugget. I must say, bravo, sir. You're really helping everybody out. I'd love if they introduced him. I just have such a visual of what I think he looks like. <laughs> anyway, so Dean is now spiralling into this altered state of normality. He's being super vague. He's calling Ziggy and kind of riddles. And when he's talking about Queensland and come on, Joy, let's go. It's like, I thought he was actually gone for good. And this was him saying goodbye to Ziggy, uh, it kind of seemed like the end or something. Anyway, again, Colby coming in with the good advice. So Nugget pulls through MVP and Colby finds Dean right before their, him and Jarji to leave. And when he starts saying like, 
how does Jai feel about not seeing his mum? How do you feel about if I have to arrest you in front of your son, you're never going to see your kid again? So he's really talking some sense, despite his lack of morals. He really is. So luckily, Dean agrees to head back. And another MVP of the week is John. He's being such a father figure to Amber and very pro Dean, even though they really like famously don't get on. He's being such a support to Amber and even saying like, oh, well, like if Dean wants to have a chat about being a dad, like he can talk to me. Crazy. But anyway... None of that quenches the amber fire when Jai returns and it's not looking great for Dean. Amber's now saying like no second chances and then reality really crashes down on Dean and he realises what he's done. But like what did he expect? It's so stupid. And now his anger and frustration is now directed at Colby. He's not going to figure him for Ziggy or Ross and now Jai... Which is rightly so, and Colby deserves to wear all that, and that's fine. But you kind of do need to take ownership. Colby didn't make you kidnap your own child. Let's just get that one thing clear. So, oh, it's not looking good, and it's so stupid. He was really, really in a good position there. He had Amber and Francesca right where he wanted them, or just in a great position for them to kind of bow down or come to some kind of agreement and to stop using Jai as a bloody pawn in getting Dean to do what Amber wants. And then now this, what a dum-dum. He's right, he's back to square one. Snakes and ladders, back to like minus levels. Very foolish. So next week is not looking good for Deanie Poo. Okay, alrighty, that about wraps it up for me this week. Big bumper episode for the first episode back of 2021. So big thanks for listening. If you've time, I'd love if you could rate, review and or subscribe to Summer Bays. And if you want to get in touch, it is summerbayspodcast at gmail.com. We can have fan chats. G'day and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.